Hello everyone and welcome to episode 36 of Personalities at Carry. We are in conversation with Dustin Bates. Dustin used to be a teacher before he decided to pursue his MBA. He's currently concentrating in finance and business analytics. For the summer, he interned at Bank of America in North Carolina. Now let's get to our conversation with Dustin Bates. So welcome to episode number 36 and I'm here with Dustin Bates. Dustin is one of our two Dustins. <laughs> and how how does it feel like to be like you have another person with the same name in the cohort? Uh it, it's great because he's a great guy. Okay. If he wasn't such a great guy, I might not feel so good about it, but <laughs> have professors or anybody else been confused among the two of you? I think at one point one of us was nicknamed Dustin with a tie and Dustin without a tie. Oh so yeah, yeah, was... yeah. <laughs> which which class was I forget. I think oh, it's entrepreneurship. Gosh. That was it. It might have been entrepreneurship, okay. yeah. Professor Norman, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, I always start the podcast with a very simple question. Tell us about your background, where you come from. Uh, what have you been doing before coming to grad school, and why did you decide to do your MBA? Sure. Um, so I was actually a teacher for about four years before I came here, and uh, I taught quite a bit of uh, diverse things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I was, and I taught here in Arizona, mm-hmm. um, and I really enjoyed it. It was fantastic. I really loved working with kids. and i i really loved helping them to sort of think through things and develop their own thought processes and i also loved the diversity of what i was doing so i would go from teaching a music class to teaching a poetry class to teaching a math class to teaching an english class and it was great but one of the things i felt that was problematic was that in many of the the organizations i was in educational organizations i felt that there was times when a lot more time and and consistency need, need, needed to be spent on the actual organization part. <laughs> okay. Um and one thing that teachers are very good at is ordering a classroom, but when it comes to administering a school sometimes we we uh there's a bit of a learning curve for us. <laughs> um, and it's a hindrance for actual teaching, right? It is, right. Um cuz what happens generally speaking is if it's not well administered, mm. then you have interruptions to the classroom or there's events planned that people have not been made aware of and the teachers have to sort of reorient and reschedule and things never turn out as well after that. Mm-hmm. Um but you know at the same time I also had a mentor who was uh, encouraging me to read a whole bunch of business books and I don't I didn't have a business background. I'm I'm a complete career changer. So my bachelor's degree is actually in liberal arts with an emphasis in philosophy. Mm. Um so up to that point I was very much in the realm of the theoretical. Um and to some extent that hasn't changed. I love knowledge and I I love learning and understanding. Um but I think for the sake of living in the real world <laughs> it's really important to be able to be effective and actually organizing people, organizing tasks, um and being able to put things into practice whether that be the managing of finances or just understanding the data that you're working with and and not so much working on just simple intuition hmm. um and so i think right around my my last year of teaching i just realized that i wanted to be in a position where i could develop that part of me a little bit more Um it was a part that I had sort of developed out of necessity to some extent. <laughs> mm. 
Um, but I knew that I was, I was lacking in some areas there. Um, and so I decided to take a leap and uh, I, I told my school I wasn't coming back. Um, even before I, I got accepted. <laughs> but I knew if I didn't do that, I probably wouldn't follow through. And I, uh, I ended up getting accepted. And um, it's kind of funny. There was a lot of back and forth. And, and I loved the school I was at. Everyone there was fantastic. But they were there was a lot of turnover that particular year. And uh, they, they kept trying to raise my salary <laughs> to get me to stay. <laughs> Um, I, I, I kept telling him, no, I got to do this. I've got to do this. So, um, but I ended up here from there. So <laughs> that's okay. kind of the, the short version of it. Okay. And did you just apply to WP Carey or did you apply to other schools as well? I applied to the WP Carey for the most part. And mm-hmm. I, I kind of knew that's where I wanted to be. Uh, there was a lot of things that kind of prevented me from really seriously considering other schools at the time. One of them was the fact that the scholarship was pretty great. <laughs> so that was a great opportunity for a poor teacher. Um, <laughs> and then the other one is that my, my, at, my, at that time, she was my, uh, my fiancé, now my wife, <laughs> was living and working here. Um, so it would have been really difficult for, for me to, to move on to another location mm-hmm. just as we were being re- about to take that next step. Mm-hmm. Um, so... It just it was, it seemed like the, the obvious thing to do. Um, and uh, so, no, I didn't actually end up applying. I did think about it, and mm-hmm. I did look at a couple of the other schools, but uh, it ended up working out for the best, I think. So. Okay, good. And uh, once you were at school, how has your experience been so far? Yeah, well, a mix of a lot of different things. So I, I won't lie, I was pretty proud of my accomplishments up to this point. Um, and I think at one point I, re- I remember I was kind of proud because I was considered the expert in all these different subjects I was teaching and people would come up to me for advice. And then I got here and that all ended. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I, I got a nice big piece of humble pie. <laughs> um, so I was doing things I hadn't done before and I was completely stepping out of my comfort zone. Hmm. Um, and, uh, and there was some early failures, I think, from that which were really good for me to experience. Because mm. I, I think that that really allowed me to have that, that growth experience mm. <laughs> and, and kind of develop better that growth mentality, which uh, even though you learn a lot as a teacher, because you're teaching a whole bunch of different mm. subjects and constantly developing yourself, there's an extent to which you can sort of atrophy after a while and get comfortable. Mm. So it was nice <laughs> to have that... <laughs> Mental limberness, I guess you could say. Um, and uh, so, you know, first two quarters were brutal for me. Mm. Um, very difficult. And again, I think it was just thinking in ways I hadn't thought before. Um, you know, for me, it was, again, all about the theoretical before that point. So I would be asking questions that had to do with knowledge for its own sake. Mm. Um and then moving on into the MBA program, it's the exact opposite, right? Mm. You're, you're applying knowledge to get to an outcome, um, which is great. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, there's a lot more. It's a lot less of a, a general view. You're stuck in the details a lot more. And I shouldn't say stuck. You're, 
Exploring. Graced with the details <laughs> a lot more. <laughs> Exploring, yeah. Hmm. And, uh, and so, you know, there are a lot of the kind of basic business principles that I think probably a lot of people take for just mm. given I didn't. <laughs> mm. um, so uh, the first two quarters were big learning curve. And for any of the first years who are career changers, I, <laughs> I, I feel for them completely. Um, but I think it, it started to get better. And there was at one point in that, I think the third quarter where I realized that I could do it and I was getting better <laughs> and that I was, I was actually making progress. And I've kind of tried to hold on to that mentality up to this point and know that every time I have a setback, that's something I can overcome and grow from. Nice. And, and just apart from studying or curriculum, are there any other things in the MBA program that you felt went beyond your expectations coming in, like this clubs, the career services, anything else? You know, I think I was actually really impressed with my fellow classmates. I, again, when I first came in, you know, I, I thought I was very effective and efficient and I didn't know what I was talking about or thinking about. Because um, in my first quarter, I just remember being very impressed by, um, well, just everyone on my team, really. Um, and that continued in my second quarter. I was even more impressed um, with people. Not to say my first, I wasn't, I was less impressed, just I think I had more exposure. And then, uh, and then I continued to be impressed. Just each of the individuals here brings something really unique and brings an interesting perspective. And then on top of that, they're all extremely motivated, extremely efficient people. And I've been very honored both to work with them, but to learn from them as well. And I think one of the real strengths of this program is that there's so many people from so many different places. Mm -hmm. Um, and because of that, you're able to have sort of that international experience without exactly <laughs> being international. <laughs> True. Um, so, you know, I, I, I know some people travel thousands of miles to get here. <laughs> I drove 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sort of getting the, the easy international experience, mm -hmm. I think. But, um, but I think that's, that's been a, a really fantastic piece uh, and the ability to sort of work with differing sort of approaches and ideas because of that is has been fantastic um, that sort of development of soft skills that comes from that I think is in that um, can't put a can't put a dollar sign on that mm -hmm. so you're one of the few lucky people who's able to live nearby and be with their family so how do you manage time outside of school with your family not very well <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, my wife could speak to this more than I could, I think, but, you know, for me, it's, that's actually something I still struggle with today. I think I've gotten better at it. Um, but you know, in the first two quarters, I, I felt like I saw my, we weren't married in the first two quarters, but I felt like I saw my fiance maybe once or twice a week. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and then you know, we've, we found ways here and there to make time. Um, whether that is scheduling advance in a time when we're, we're going to stop, put everything down, and go and do something for a couple hours. 
Um, I'll give you an example. Last weekend, we just made the decision that we were going to go play a round of mini golf together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then there's other times where we both have to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we just sit next to each other and work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and that's difficult sometimes to, to sort of have that, that situation. But I think, too, we both know what we were getting into. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and we also know that, to some extent, the intensity from which I, I'm, I'm working right now is not going to be the intensity that will always be the case. Right. Um, and so recognizing that, too, I think, makes this sort of the short-term bearable for, for sort of the long-term return. Hmm. That's a good way to look at it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's just temporary. Mm-hmm. Um, so I see you in my finance classes and also in my supply chain. So I'm, I, I'm not sure what concentrations you're doing <laughs> so far. Can you tell us what you're doing? Sure. Um, so I'm doing, in this order, business analytics and finance. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I specify in that order because I was sure of the business analytics when I wanted to come here. And I think there's... I think I mentioned that I really love knowledge. Mm-hmm. And so the business analytics is a very attractive piece to me because it seems to me to bring about all those ideas about knowing your facts and sort of coming to a deeper understanding of things through looking at your data. I've always found that attractive. Mm-hmm. Um, the finance piece, <laughs> in the first two quarters, at one point I was certain I was going to do finance and then I was certain I was going to do marketing and I was certain I was going to do supply chain and then made it back to finance before the end. <laughs> um, so <laughs> that's that's sort of something I've been developing a liking for as the program has gone forward. Mm-hmm. And I think um, as a career changer, I, I don't think I knew exactly what it meant to be in finance <laughs> until after I was was in the middle of it. Um, I really appreciate having done it now and, and being able to have sort of that, I would call it the bones of an organization look at things, um, mm. where you're able to see sort of the skeletal financial structure in which organizations work and, and see sort of a generalized view of what applies to, to lots of different organizations equally. Um, and I think that's going to come in handy no matter where I am. <laughs> mm. um, but uh, yeah, so that, that business analytics, I would say, is, is kind of the first concentration, the primary Finance is a nice add-on. Okay. So I'm sure you must have taken a lot more classes than the average MBA at WP Carey. So from those courses you've taken so far, which one has been your favorite? Oh, goodness. Um, I would probably say Enterprise Analytics. Mm-hmm. Um, I really loved the, uh, the idea of structuring data mm-hmm. <laughs> and the ways of collecting data and... Um, you know, I wrote my undergrad thesis on on the way that human beings think about things, um, specifically how they process information. And so when we started to talk about how we store data in machines, I was struck by how much that's very similar to the way that human beings process things mm-hmm. and how we store things. And then furthermore, I was even more struck by the fact that the way that you transfer data from intake to, to kind of output for analytical purposes also mirrors a lot of what we do with with kind of human knowledge and sort of our way of compressing things and making sense of them. Mm. Um, and I, I think that, that the idea that you kind of have the, the brain of the company in that way mm. um, 
was really both fascinating, but also very useful to me for understanding sort of the information technology side of, of how businesses work. Okay. So is it a course that you recommend others to take? Absolutely. Okay. Hands down. If nothing else, just for the sequel. Okay. <laughs> uh, and then lastly, how did you go about getting your internship? Yeah. So that's a, that's a great question. So I'm actually going to do a shout out to the career services. <laughs> uh, hands down. Actually, I'm, I'm a peer coach, so I'm not a completely <laughs> unbiased party here. But they actually really helped me out in, in the first um, quarter. And I think I got an early start. I, I started out by going to one of the uh, MBA mixers in, I think, July before the program started. And I ended up running into uh, Sandy Summers, who was one of the career coaches. And we ended up talking, kind of hitting it off. And we scheduled a career coaching session for a couple weeks later. And I brought in my academic resume. <laughs> it was very, very much an academic resume. Um, and, and she, in a very kind way, tore it to shreds. <laughs> uh, and I think that was the kind of the start, which was looking at how you write a resume, which I knew how to apply for a college or a teaching role, but I, I didn't know how to apply for a business role. And that's what I found out. And I, I probably scheduled four or five meetings with her over the course of the next couple of months. And then I also did something else. And so I'm an introvert, but I've never been a very shy person when I have a goal in mind. Um, so one of the things I would do is I would go to all the info sessions that I felt like were relevant to what I was pursuing. I would sit in the front row. Hmm. And I would probably spend... 30 to 45 minutes researching the company before I would go to the info session and try to come up with some really difficult questions. Um, sometimes it would be on something that was based on the news. Sometimes I would look at their 10K and try mm. to see if things didn't add up. Mm. And then I would bring those questions into the info sessions. And I would ask one. And then if, if no one was asking any other questions, I would just rapid fire another five or six off. Mm. And, uh, and usually they were related. So it wasn't like I was skipping around, but... I <laughs> I think they mostly remembered me after that. Mm. <laughs> Just trying to make us uncomfortable in front of others. Yeah. Um, that being said, I actually ended up kind of applying for two of the jobs I wanted early on. And I got a response from both of them really quickly. In part, I think it was due to a lot of what Career Services helped me with, with my resume and cover letter. Um, and in part, too, I think it was because I really did do my research on the topic. Um, so going in there, when they, you know, they asked me questions, and I did an all right job, I think, on, on answering those questions, but I had questions to ask them back. And I showed that I was curious, and I was interested in what was going on in the business. And I got I, an offer from one and more or less an offer from the other. Um, it kind of came after the fact and I already accepted the other mm -hmm. one that I wanted. So, um, and so I think that's a lot, large part, my, my internship really came from, from those habits of just making sure to, to do well on my resume and following through on the info sessions and just doing the live work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, 
that being said, I know it's a lot harder for, for some of the international students who have more limitations. So I don't want to make it sound like it's very easy, especially if someone's in that position. Mm-hmm. Um, and but, um, but I think there, there is really a lot to be said for what career services here has to offer on that front. Um, and then the internship itself was really fantastic. Okay. Um, I, maybe that was... Yeah, that's next question. Next where, question, okay. What was... What was your particular job role, and um, what what kind of ended up doing over the over the summer? Well, I uh, I was working at Bank of America mm-hmm. in Charlotte, North Carolina, mm-hmm. and I got assigned. Well, I sort of picked it actually, a role in third party management and controls, and it was an analytics role. Since mm-hmm. that's what I was interested in, that's what I did. Right. Um, and I actually really enjoyed it. And one of the things I made sure to do before I. I kind of went to my internship was I ended up networking with the individual who I was actually interviewed by Mm -hmm. and asked him his advice on what I should consider and what I should think about before going into my internship. And he gave me some really key advice. And one of the things he said was jump in right away and ask what you can do and keep asking what you can do. And then, so I did that. <laughs> Every time someone said, well, is anyone willing to take this on? I would raise my hand right away and say, yes, I'll take it on. Hmm. Or I'm really interested in doing this. What do I need to do to make this happen? And so I ended up doing things which were not in my job role, which is great because I would have been bored otherwise. <laughs> um, and so I, my primary role while I, was, while I was there was working on a, a consumer savings plan, which was to try to save the company 10% on their vendors hmm. um, and the money they spent on their vendors. And my main role with that was to try to track all of the, um, the proposed savings as well as the ongoing uh, procurement initiatives hmm. <laughs> with those vendors. And that was actually really great because it gave me an opportunity to not only work on my analytics and reporting skills, but also to talk with a lot of the people who were handling the procurements mm. side. Um, so I, I got to talk to all these vice presidents and get a sense of what they were doing to save the company money and why they felt it was important. Mm. And also, one of the great things about Bank of America was that they really, really, really emphasized networking with people. So <laughs> they, from day one, they say, hey, you should spend a good quarter of your time networking. Mm. So I probably met with well over 30 people while I was there, probably more like 50, uh, just asking them what their experience was like, um, what they were doing to be successful in the company, what advice they had for someone in my position, mm. and just was able to really get a good feel for the company that way. I mean, I mean, I would highly recommend anybody else doing that too because I think it's the best way to get an idea of what's really going on in the company. Hmm. Um, I think it's great to hear what the company says about itself and it's great to, to talk to the people who are hiring you. But actually hearing from the people who are working day in, day out in various roles I think gives you the, the largest and truest picture of what's going on. Hmm. So you're going to like recommend this as well? Like when Bank of America comes to the school, you would want people to take up a role in there? I would highly recommend the Bank mm-hmm. of America. 
um, corporation. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they've actually already made it to campus once. Mm-hmm. Okay. But um, I'm not sure if they've started their, in- their interviews yet. Okay. Um, they, uh, they're definitely, definitely a great corporation. Hmm. Um, and I would say that that's the case because they really care about their people from what I can tell. They, they don't micromanage their employees. They really trust their people. Mm. And I think f- as long as you're someone who gets your work done and communicates well with, with everybody else what you're doing, you have a lot of freedom mm. at Bank of America, which as an MBA <laughs> and as someone who sort of likes to just jump into things, mm. it, was, mm. it was a great, great experience. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So now I just want to have a few questions just to get to know you at a personal level. Sure. So when you have time outside of studying, what kind of hobbies do you engage in? That's a great question. So one of the things I taught when I was a teacher was poetry. Mm -hmm. And I'm a little bit of a fanatic, I won't lie. And I know it's sort of an interesting thing to be a fanatic about. It's sort of one of those obscure things that you don't see a lot of people caring a whole bunch about. But I find it that it's a fantastic way to concentrate thought and emotion. Mm. Um, and also, <laughs> a lot of people have commented on the way in which I speak. <laughs> And I think a lot of that's come from just picking up a good piece of poetry and reading it out loud several times. Mm. There's a real art to not only expressing oneself through the words that one uses, but also through the sounds of the words that are being used. I haven't thought so deeply about (laughs) poetry until I'm learning from you. Thanks. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I, I'll stop myself now <laughs> no, before no, no, I go any happened. further, but yeah. <laughs> so, so you just uh, read poetry or do you also engage in writing poetry? Um, well, I, I definitely read poetry mm-hmm. and I, I wish my collection was larger than it was, mm-hmm. but it does take up a few of my shelves. <laughs> and uh, I also have performed it on different occasions. I've mm-hmm. probably written a couple books worth of poetry in my wow. time. I would only say about 10% of that might actually be worth anything. <laughs> but it's it's definitely something that I find relaxing and helpful to be mindful, I think. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I've actually really appreciated of it, about it is it's something that not only helps me to think about my situation in my life at the moment I'm in that part of my life, But then when I go back to those poems, even more than writing a journal entry, even more than keeping a photo, it helps me remember what I was thinking about and what I was going through during that time. Mm. And it's sort of like revisiting and relearning from those experiences over and over again. Hmm. Okay. Uh, What about do you engage in watching movies? Do you have a favorite movie? My goodness. I do watch movies. I, I watch too many movies. Okay. <laughs> it, it may be a bit of a problem I have. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, there's movies I watch which I would say are entertaining, but I, I wouldn't say I remember them very well at the mm-hmm. end, and they don't play a large role in my life. Okay. There are some movies which I really do think 
I've, I've grown to love and, and actually are ones I think about <laughs> mm. or have moved me deeply. I, it might be a little bit corny, and some people would disagree with me on this. Les Miserables, the musical, mm. I really love. Um, there's just something about the idea of, of self-sacrifice and redemption, which I find very attractive. Mm. Um, and then there's also... There's a movie called Tree of Life, which is mm. a really strange movie. I won't lie. It's it's very disjointed and you don't really completely understand what's going on in it a lot of the time. But it's also like watching a meditation. Mm. And there's something about that, which I think, I don't know. It's one of those movies. I don't tear up very often. I'll be man enough to say that I, I have teared up over that movie. I teared up over Le Miserable. Yeah. But <laughs> I'm one of those people who tears up in every movie, especially in the Disney animated or Pixar animated ones. Oh, yeah. there's like sacrifice <laughs> and friendship. I always tear up. <laughs> anyway, what about TV shows? Do you watch those? Do you have a favorite one? Oh goodness gracious! Well, sure. There's a couple TV shows I really liked. Um, one of them that comes to mind, and this, again, is a little bit cliche, is Breaking Bad. Mm. Uh, and I say I like it in a, in a sense. Because um, you were a teacher? Uh, <laughs> 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 Shh! Don't want to let people know about that side of me. No, I'm joking. Um, that's uh, Actually, I think what I really liked about it was I felt like it was a modern telling of Macbeth. Mm. <laughs> Um, one of the things I really liked about Shakespeare's Macbeth was I felt like it was an incredibly good portrayal of a good, of a, or at least a decent man becoming incredibly corrupt hmm. and what it means for someone to become vicious over time. And I, it kind of works both at the emotional level and as sort of a warning for people too, I think. Um, I don't mean to say that movies should be a warning or should be kind of a, I think the worst things I've ever seen are movies that attempt to moralize everything. But it's I think it was a an incredibly good portrayal of what the the world of drugs is like. Um, I've had family members who are involved with that, so it's hit home a little bit. And I think it also it really does show what the outcome of, of kind of entering into that world is. Mm. Um, and because of that, I think it's it's a really good movie. I, I've often heard it say that, heard said that there's, there's two kinds of good and bad drama. <laughs> <laughs> there's bad drama, which is the sort of drama that it's just it's painful to watch because someone did a really bad job writing it <laughs> and there's a bad drama that's really well done but just doesn't match with what reality is hmm. um, and then there's the same goes for good right? you can have something that kind of has a good message but at the same time is so badly written that you, you would almost wish that the person would just not have even tried. <laughs> um, and then you have the, the stuff that's just has a really good portrayal of reality, an imitation of reality that's extremely accurate. Hmm. 
and at the same time is extremely well written. And I feel like Breaking Bad does a good job of that. Hmm. Are you into like uh, Breaking Bad? Um, what's the other one? The Better Call Saul, which is like the prequel to it. Have I have to admit, I, I haven't, I haven't tried all that much. I think I've seen one episode or, or mm-hmm. another. Uh, hasn't appealed to me as much, okay. to be honest. <laughs> Uh, just an advice that it gets better. Oh, it does? <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, what about music? Do you have a favorite uh, artist, a genre of music that you listen to? Oh, my goodness gracious. That's a really hard question to answer. So, I have found myself liking pretty much all music at different times in my life. Um, everything from... In high school, I think I was into the emo punk stuff. <laughs> to college, where I think I, I listened to Mozart and Bach primarily. And then by the time I got out, I was I was really into, like, sort of the jazz. And, and you know, recently, I tend to be someone who, who gets a little bit too focused and a little bit too high strung, and I have to watch myself on that. So I think I always try to choose music, which is sort of the opposite of what I'm feeling at that time, just sort of to even me out. <laughs> and so these days, it's I've sort of been doing the indie, easy listening sort of stuff, hmm. which is just sort of music you can listen to, which has sort of a softer, mellow sound. And I don't know if there's a good description of the genre, mm-hmm. but um, you know, some of the people who are are in it would be like. Um, Jack Johnson. Oh, okay. uh, he's probably a good example of that. Mm. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I'm I'm sure you read a lot. So can you recommend a good book, like one of your favorite books? Oh goodness gracious! Yeah. Um, really depends on what somebody's looking for. So mm-hmm. I'm going to make that caveat. One of my favorite books is actually Anna Karenina, mm-hmm. which is written by Leo Tolstoy, and I think it's a fantastic book because Leo Tolstoy does an amazing job about showing the reality of why people make certain decisions that they do. Mm. Um, You know, the whole plot of the book is that a woman is deciding to leave her husband to pursue an affair. And at the same time, you have the other main character who's really wanting to pursue marriage with this one girl, and she rejects him for this other guy. (laughs) And you, you get to see the heartbreak and also the emotional instability that's present in both of those situations. And it's not a happy story, <laughs> but it is, there's, there's a lot that I think will ring true with anyone who reads it that will match with, with what they probably felt at one point in time in their lives. And it will ask those questions that I think are always important to ask. Um, you know, what what is the purpose of, of life at this point? You know, what what am I really searching for? Mm-hmm. What are the, the what is the point of, of my endeavors? Um, I've always felt like that's an extremely important question. I've always felt like the best books and the best literature really help to at least have us question ourselves on that. Hmm. Again, if you were to get the option to meet a person in history that you have always wanted to, you know, talk to, ask them more questions, and you could sit and have coffee with them or have dinner with them, who would that person be? See, that's a really hard one because 
To some extent, I would want to sit with a whole bunch of horrible dictators just to ask them, what were you thinking? (laughs) (laughs) But to be in all seriousness, um, I, I think, you know, one of the people I'd really want to sit with is probably, I would say, Plato. Hmm. He is a really interesting philosophy of how things work. One which I, I don't actually completely agree with, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> you can debate him, but, change you know, his mind. <laughs> but actually, I think what he he did have a really strong sense of was that the world has a great deal of mystery in it and wonder. And I, I think that that's always something I try to preserve in myself, um, to better or worse extent. <laughs> And especially going into a business environment and coming from an academic environment, he, I think, asks a lot of great questions and has a great approach to life, which is to, to live life as, as a life examined. I'd be interested in talking to him be, in part because I think he would ask me questions. <laughs> I would I would probably have to think about some of my own thoughts and the way I consider things. Hmm. Um, and then I would also be interested in, in understanding him a little bit better because he was he never really came out and said exactly what he thought. He always spoke through converse, like fictional conversations of different hmm. characters, right? what we call the dialectic. And those conversations always kind of left you not really sure what the truth was, but you always felt like you were on less certain ground than you were before. Hmm. And his, he, he, take, he kind of vocalizes his teacher a lot, Socrates. Hmm. And I think at one point, some of the, some of the best things he said through, through the voice of Socrates was that the, the wise man knows that he doesn't know. <laughs> and that's the first step to wisdom is is to understand <laughs> what you don't know <laughs> yeah. and uh, do you have any pet peeves? I have any pet peeves a couple mm-hmm. tell I'll, us about them I'll, I'll give you two Okay. and the first one is, is going to be ridiculous but I hate it when styrofoam is rubbing on styrofoam Hmm. I just can't even be in the same room. The sound it makes for some reason. Like if I had to work in the styrofoam factory, I would probably go insane. Um, but <laughs> I think another thing that is probably a pet peeve of mine is being in a situation where people squish discussion. Hmm. Um, and actually, I wouldn't say that that's been here. So, <laughs> just quick caveat: okay. not talking about the NBA social program, social society, or a program. Um, but you know, there's there's times when it definitely been in situations where people simply don't want to have a conversation. And sometimes I can respect that. That's that's completely understandable. And sometimes it it gets to the point where you you feel like you. You can't even express yourself in those situations. Um, and while I think it's everyone has a, a right to believe what they want to believe, it seems to me if we don't sort of come together and at least 
discuss what those things are, there's a way in which we're really mitigating a large part of kind of growth that we can get from understanding each other better. Mm. Um, anyway, that's <laughs> <laughs> probably more than more than needed to be said, but sure. But then coming back to like school life, mm-hmm. once you're done with graduation, mm-hmm. uh, what are some locations or companies or roles that you've narrowed down to that you want to be doing? Sure. So I'll just be pretty open. I've actually already accepted an offer back at Bank of America. Nice. And uh, I don't exactly know where I'm going to be there yet. It's a rotational program, which I'm actually really excited about because that means I get to continue to learn and grow. Um, but, you know, for me, I want to be in a situation where I can help an organization better understand itself. <laughs> it's probably a theme that you've been able to see throughout this entire conversation. I like understanding. <laughs> Um, but I, I really think that, you know, if I can be in that situation, I would be a happy man. Sort of down the road, I have aspirations mm-hmm. to maybe either develop my own organization or at least assist in, in an organization which really helps sort of people in need. Mm-hmm. And I'll give an example of what I mean. You know, I was really struck at one point by the fact that 80% of the homeless population is considered to be mentally ill. Mm. Um, and it seems like a lot could be done to help people in that situation. So, you know, one of the things that I would I would love to do, I don't know if I'll ever have the capacity to, but it's something I'd at least love to keep thinking about and dreaming about, is to be able to help organize, whether it be psychologists, whether it be organizations that, that deal with helping mental illness to help people in that situation at least have a better quality of life um there's a couple other ideas like that that are swimming around in my head but i mean that's always been a big motivation for me Um, and it's something that whether it's something i do as a midlife crisis (laughs) i'm actually already planning out all the fun things i can do with my midlife crisis (laughs) so this uh coming the job coming up is just a stepping stone toward that direction yeah, I mean, I'd like to think that I'll be with Bank of America for a while. Yeah, sure. And uh, and I'd like to also think that I I will enjoy what I'm doing there, and I'll be able to contribute a lot. But yeah, there's there's degrees to which, you know, whether whether it be ten, twenty, thirty years down the road, it'd be nice to branch off and really do something which is more more about just helping people. Hmm. Bank of America does a great job of that, by the way. <laughs> so I don't want to say that they, they actually, they do a lot to help people. And they have a lot of organizations that work with, you know, especially those who are in need. But, but you know, it'd be nice to be able to, to create something from hmm. kind of from scratch or at least help develop something like that. So. so do you have any advice for the first years, given that you've been through that time already? Yeah, um, don't get discouraged. (laughs) I think one of the hardest things is dealing with failure. And I think this program is going to catch some people up at one point or another. There will be a point in which you fall short. I mean, and when that happens, you can either sort of fall into a despair or you can kind of go through that uncomfortable moment of saying 
I still got more to do. I still got, you know, a, a length to grow. And you, I, especially if you're a career changer <laughs> or if you're trying something new, I feel like you're going to run into that. And that's okay. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's all part of growing. So if, if that means you spend 60 hours a week for a short period of time, really getting something down, which is hard. It's so hard. And you get so tired. <laughs> and you just want to stop at the end of it all. But I think it's really worthwhile. And, and what you get out of this and sort of the freedom I think it, it's going to give me and everyone else who's gone through it, it's worth the effort. And it's worth going through those failures to sort of become a better person. Nice. And uh, when, when you have done your graduation, how would like your peers to remember you? Hmm. That's a, that's a really good question. I would like them to think I was someone with goodwill towards everyone. And that, um, Hopefully I did a pretty good job in some areas and, oh, yeah. and in those areas where I, I <laughs> have fallen short that they <laughs> were... They forgive you. They forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so I'm just going to give you like a couple minutes to just mm-hmm. tell people what, what's been going on in your life in terms of what's coming up. If you're mm-hmm. organizing something for the school, you can tell people you're doing that. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's a great question. Um, so there's a, there's a, an idea in my mind at the moment, and it's not come to fruition. It's still very much in, in the scratch paper phase, that's what I would call it. Um, I, I would really, I think that everyone here has a real capacity for creativity and their own ideas to bring to the table. And one of the things that I would love to be able to help foster is an environment where people can just come and discuss those ideas, whether it be a business plan, whether it be an idea of how to help society as a whole, whether it be a product that they're thinking of, of creating or, or of adding on to. Um, bringing those people out into a group setting where they can express those ideas without somebody saying, well, that will never work, or that's stupid or something of that sort. And having positive feedback, um, ways that they can improve that or ways that they can continue to think about it so that if there are people like me who are dreamers that 30 years down the road want to do something, um, they have sort of a platform and already have you know people who have given them ideas of how to proceed in that. Or if it's people who are the next Steve Jobs and are going to start amazing companies as soon as they graduate, and I'll also have just a little bit of help to get them on the way. It'd be fantastic to, to be able to have, just among our classmates, our, you know, just that chance to converse and discuss with one another and, and really help each other in, in sort of creating those things. Okay. So given that, uh, hopefully people will get in touch with you to kind of get your idea to fruition. So I would you... love that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to give away your uh, social media handles? Um, sure. So you can pretty much, you can reach me on LinkedIn if you haven't connected me with me already. Um, you definitely should because I'm, I'm only at 461 and I want to get to 500 plus. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's but, not a competition. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no, but in all seriousness, um, you know, you can reach me at my email address, which is dustin.bates at asu.edu. So D-U-S-T-I-N dot B-A-T-E-S at asu.edu. You can also call me. My, my phone number is 830-237-9346. And then if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, um, I, I believe my LinkedIn address is www.linkedin.com slash in slash Dustin A. Bates slash. So if, if I'm wrong about that, then just search my name. <laughs> so this is where we normally like end the podcast, but I just remembered that you, you have a gaming PC that you bring to school. So <laughs> do you want to recommend a game for us? Um, okay, sure. So... In all fairness, I'm not much of a gamer. <laughs> I, I I got sick of my PCs crashing, so I just said I was going to get the best one on the market. Ah, okay. But um, my wife plays more games than I do, and she's gotten ah. me to play a couple. So, you know, one of the ones that I've been really interested in recently is uh, one called Dungeon, Dungeon of the Endless. Okay, I haven't played this yeah. one. <laughs> it's, it's an indie game, and you're, you're in this dungeon, and you basically are trying to get to the surface and long story short it's kind of innovative you have to light up rooms and rooms that are not lit up monsters appear and mm. you have different characters you rescue and things like that long story short it's kind of it makes you think a lot and you have to think about the logic of it and at the same time there's also the mindlessness of a video game on top of it so it's if you're looking for a chance to relax without you know completely having something that's without sort of that rational factor <laughs> it's a good one <laughs> all right thanks dustin for yeah. being on this show and uh, hopefully the listeners will keep listening to us thank you goodbye no, dustin is a hard worker cares about the people on his team and is a perfect balance of seriousness and fun dustin we wish you all the best in your career and in life for those who are listening thank you so much for tuning in Catch our episodes on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and other podcast platforms. Goodbye and peace.